Welcome to the Health Systems Podcast, a podcast series bringing you conversations on the issues shaping health systems in low and middle income countries around the world, brought to you by the USAID Local Health System Sustainability Project, LHSS. We'll be sharing learning from the project's work toward a future in which all people have access to affordable, high-quality, essential health services. Today, we welcome Lisa Tarantino, Director of Transition and Sustainability for the LHSS Project. We'll be talking about the project's mission to make health system progress sustainable, a critical mission that's both challenging and rewarding. Lisa, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Lisa, sustainability and transition are the cornerstone of the LHSS project. Can we start off by defining what the project means by sustainability and transition? So when we say uh, sustainability, we're referring to the degree in which an organization or a health system can operate at a level that is sufficient to maintain or improve health outcomes. And that includes adaptability and durability to shocks and changing circumstances over time. And how do we recognize a sustainable health system? It would be a system that has fully transitioned from development partner support, that it's self-financed and locally led and locally implemented the, the functions within the health system. Uh, that there's sufficient capacity and leadership and a supportive environment within the system that maintains and improves uh, health outcomes. Yeah, thanks for that. That really sets the stage and leads me to my next question. Development partners have been building capacity for decades and sustainability and transition seem like big promises. Can you talk about what is new and different about the project's approach to local capacity development and how it might help local partners get there to sustainability and transition? That's an excellent question. I've been thinking about that a lot myself lately, actually. Uh, I think that global health is having a bit of an aha moment where it comes to capacity development and transition and sustainability. Uh, that even though our, our health projects, uh, the outputs and the success stories uh, can be fantastic as they align with our project objectives and health outcomes are can be good and, and measurable in the short term, there is an increasing recognition that sustainability is crucial. And a lot of things are coming together right now. USAID is, is about to issue uh, a new policy that really incorporates um, best practices in, in capacity development, um, as well as uh, systems approaches. So I love the idea that global health is having an aha moment around capacity development. It feels like an exciting time to be working on health system strengthening. Speaking of which, I've been hearing a lot about the systems approach to building capacity. Can you clarify what that means? Sure. This is one of the things that's new about what's happening in, well, specifically in the local health system sustainability project, but you can see it evolving more widely um, in this sector. Uh, a systems approach to capacity development acknowledges the complexity of the environment right from the start, looking at what is feasible. 
where can our capacity development initiatives support the priorities of our local partners and what is feasible in this environment? Where are some levers perhaps that can strengthen capacity um, in a sustainable way? So it sounds like the approach involves a holistic understanding of the health system and local partner priorities. That makes a lot of sense. Tell me a little about how LHSS collaborates with local partners to identify just that right mix of technical support. Uh, We do take a collaborative approach. We co-assess, we co-lead and co-implement as much as possible uh, with the local um, institutions in the low and middle income countries where we work. Uh, And this way, it really strengthens the chances of this work or outcomes being sustainable because they are really from the very start implemented within the system. Um, And and, uh, there is uh, local buy-in and not just local buy-in, but um, the, the priorities of the local partners are being addressed. So speaking of local partners, Can you give us a better understanding of who the project's local partners or counterparts are? We talk about our counterparts, the organizations with which we work in the low and middle income countries as partners. And uh, in in that way, it, it actually is a terminology that reflects our approach. So we see them as partners. We're we're in this together uh, in terms of addressing challenges, um, strengthening capacity in a way that promotes sustainability of, of the outcomes that we're aiming for. And when we say local, what we're talking about are the low and middle income countries where we work. So it's not necessarily local, like at the local level of communities, but at all levels in, in the system. And it could be partners within the Ministry of Health, for instance. Exactly. So it could be uh, an agency within the Ministry of Health. It could be a regional level health authority. Um, It could be a university uh, that is active in the health system, uh, nonprofit organizations that provide services or advocacy for uh, certain diseases or um, populations. Okay. Can you talk more specifically about how LHSS project staff work with local partners, some of the steps they take to engage them? Well, what we found is that it really is helpful to our staff to have some tools to guide these conversations. And they are often a forced conversation right in the beginning right when we're we're establishing our relationships with our local partners after you know maybe a little while we would have a very purposeful uh, conversation about how this should all play out and to be to be very concrete about it every country where we work has a local partner sustainability and transition plan and that is a tool that guides our staff in thinking through what is a reasonable expectation for a transition? What can we transition potentially? What could be sustainable? Um, what are we going to do with each of our local partners throughout these next few years? And what do we expect as a milestone in the health system? And then take that, take these early ideas, 
and engage our local partners, hear from them. Maybe they have a different vision, but to really document it early on, including risks to that plan. And um, these plans have been tremendously helpful as we got started to really orient ourselves for long-term visits, visions, uh, starting with the end in mind. Uh, We've engaged our USAID missions and and run these things by them to make sure their vision, of course, must be be reflected. Um, And they're they're really pleased to see that the project on its own initiative has has set these pretty large, high bars, um, long-term, visions uh, that local partners and our local counterparts uh, have uh, endorsed and and even helped develop. So the sustainability and transition plans you just mentioned sound like very useful tools to guide project staff and local partners toward their goals. You also mentioned milestones. One thing I'd like to hear more about is the project's approach to measuring those milestones and monitoring progress towards goals. Right, monitoring does not necessarily sound like a new concept, and it isn't really. I think what is is new is, is, is the way that we're monitoring and what we're mon- monitoring. So in terms of what are, uh, what are we monitoring, um, we're monitoring not just capacity development at the organizational level, which, which is good to do, which is, you know, completely valid, but looking only at organizations and their progress along a continuum of uh, capacity can leave out some really important factors in the system that can make or break their chances for survival after uh, development partners walk away. So we look at milestones. We look at outcomes in the health sector as we're working with these local organizations uh, or individuals or, or even you know, at, a, at a functional level uh, in terms of policies, we're looking to see what is happening in the health sector. Has this policy been developed? Um, is there a strengthened ability to uh, provide family planning products uh, in certain parts of the country that were more difficult to reach before we started working? things like that, um, as opposed to does the organization have a strategic plan, for example, that's, that would be one example. And the way that we monitor is also a bit different. We're not just looking at what has our project done? How many people have we trained? We look at that, of course, we report uh, on things like that, but we really are focused on, right, again, monitoring the milestones, but starting this monitoring by having sometimes a difficult conversation with our local partners about what we should be doing together, what are some expectations for them and for us in terms of capacity development uh, and transition. Uh, we established right in the beginning a vision for what what we're, what our ultimate goal is uh, for that institution or, or um, uh, at a higher level in the system. And then we work backwards and say, okay, what are we going to do in terms of supporting the strengthening of your capacity? Um, And what are you going to do to make this happen? Um, And so there is a definitely a mutual accountability um, and a very collaborative approach. Establishing a mutual vision sounds ideal, but I imagine getting to that point can sometimes be challenging. 
You and I recently spoke about the LHSS Vietnam team's experience. The project is supporting supply chain management for antiretroviral drugs, or ARVs, for HIV treatment. And the Vietnam team has helped local partners shift from having an external embedded embedded advisor to developing their own capacity to manage the supply chain activities themselves. Can you tell us a little more about that and how those early difficult conversations led to really positive outcome? Um, The embedded advisors had really been taking on these technical roles within the Ministry of Health um, to the point that in our first month of working, um, these functions were not being accomplished and there was a a real risk of a stock out endangering 72,000 people's ability to access ARVs. Uh, So this difficult conversation was, okay, we're going to build your capacity. And so you can't rely on us to do this work. But at the same time, we had to make sure there wouldn't be a stock out. So we worked with them to quickly devise a method for um, procurement and negotiation that resulted in the um, assurance that, that the supplies were provided on time. But at the same time, we documented that approach. And we did this with our local counterparts side by side. So now this method of price negotiation and procurement of ARVs has become institutionalized within the Ministry of Health. Um, So that's something that we thought was really a win-win. People were not um, endangered. We didn't drop any balls in terms of uh, people not getting the drugs that they needed to stay healthy. And at the same time, we were strengthening uh, capacity of our local partner. Great. You've done a fantastic job of showing us how the project's work is ultimately impacting people's lives. Can you give us an example of your work in Colombia with COVID-19 and how some of that work is both being institutionalized by the ministry there and possibly impacting people's lives? Absolutely. So in Colombia, as in really all of the countries where we work, our project started while the health system was in crisis. Uh, Our overarching mandate in Colombia when we started was to support integration of migrants into the health system. Uh, And yet uh, COVID-19 was really a priority of our local partners and really an urgent need. Um, So in addition to that scope of work related to the migrants, USAID supported Colombia very strongly in their response to COVID-19. Through our project, we supported the mobilization of rapid response teams in every region of the country that uh, engaged in surveillance and monitoring that was really important, especially very early in the pandemic. The way we used a collaborative and sustainable approach, and I hope uh, we'll know in in some years whether things are sustainable, uh, is that we started with calling every single one of the health administrations and giving them, you know, uh, and trying to really understand what were their capacity needs in each individual one, because they're all different. And we went back to the Ministry of Health and, and USAID and said, this is what we're hearing that they need. And we, de- we, de- we designed this assistance to really meet their needs at that time as quickly as we could. At the same time, while we were working, we were ensuring that the way that we mobilized and the way that we implemented our surveillance really accorded with the 
existing systems and structure of the health system. We documented uh, how we mobilized and how we worked um, in response to COVID-19. And as a result, um, this documentation has been adopted uh, by the Ministry of Health as as a response plan. And it and it's um, and it accords exactly with uh, the way that the Ministry of Health might normally develop such a plan, uh, which which uh, makes it that much more likely to be sustained. Thanks so much. Really fascinating examples. Lisa Tarantino, thanks so much for sharing your experience with us. I know the project is only in its second year, so we'd love to have you come back at some point to hear more about the project's work in local capacity development and how it's strengthening local systems and improving people's lives. That would be great, and and you should have me come back. That's an accountability mechanism. (laughs) 